Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. I am joined by Jack Ball and Chris Errington. Hiya guys. Hi Stu. Welcome back Jack. I feel yes. like I've not been here for a very long time so oh, no. uh, I don't think I've missed too much to be honest but well, you've, been, to be back. you've been going to the games though. We should, yeah. we should add, shouldn't we? Sadly I've been going to, <laughs> yeah, been going to the games, yeah. But you just haven't been with us on a Monday. I haven't so. had to voice my opinion. So it's nice to, nice to have you back. I think they call that glutton for punishment, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Um, okay then guys you were both up at Charlton on Saturday another defeat for Argyle and a painful one at that with the winning goal for Charlton coming so late in the game Jack what was your turn to you as we haven't spoken to you for a while what was your uh, take of the game well I don't think I'll be alone in saying that um, I was one of many people that probably went into that game fearing the worst thinking it would be possible for another 3 or 4-0 defeat Argyle haven't been scoring many goals um that being said, a few, on a few occasions last season when we weren't playing well, we went to some good big grounds and, and performed quite well, Blackburn and Wigan, even though we lost against Wigan. But we put in a solid display still. And I said to Chris after the game, there was quite a lot of negativity on Twitter, which it can be at times, we all know that. But I felt I left the game feeling better than beforehand. Argyle put in quite a good display. Um, Derek Adams tweaked a bit with his starting formation, some because of injuries and he had no choice. And then there were obviously injuries throughout the game, which I'm sure Chris will talk about in a, in a little bit. Um, but I think the formation worked, they had more balance about them. The, going forward and attacking, they looked quite good. I think Graham Carey and Joel Grant in particular worked very well together. Sadly, Freddie Ladapo, who I think has been quite good this season, wasn't really in the game. I, I, you know, I, I run the live blogs of the game, I don't really remember writing his name more than once, possibly. Um, they were a bit, a bit jittery defensively at times, but Charlton have some very good players. And I made a tweet. Or I posted a tweet on my personal Twitter after the game, saying, "If you take that game in isolation, and if Argyle hadn't been on such a bad run, actually, you'd be quite happy with that because a lot of teams will probably go to Charlton and lose. You know, mm. Lee Bowyer's done a great job since he's been there. Um, understandably, I got some abuse for feeling like that, but that is the way I feel. I think Argyle did better, but of course, like we said against the, after the Bristol Rovers game, they need to now try and win on Saturday. And yeah. Otherwise, it's sort of in vain. But the performance, even though the result didn't go Argyle's way, was better." Yeah, and as Jack touched on there, Chris, um, so many injuries right now. Yes, they've really piled up in the last two weeks. It's um, it's amazing, and to to have three players injured in one game, all before the fifty third minute, I think it was. Mm. Um, I, in fact, I think it was basically within about twenty minutes of each other. Uh, Scott Wooten went off first with a thigh injury, um, and Gary Sawyer didn't reappear for the start of the second half with a foot injury, and he he left the ground on crutches. So you know, we wait to. Here uh, more on on his um, state of fitness, and then you know early in the second half, one uh, one, and Argyle well in the game at the time. They lose Anthony Sarsovic to a, to what uh, Derek Adams called a, a stomach problem, and so you, you you've got the double whammy really that you've lost three, you know, key players, three important players for you, and then you've also lost the ability then to change tactics, change the system, change personnel in in the closing half an hour of the game because you've already used your you permitted three substitutes, and I think it did. That did tell a little bit in the last twenty minutes when Charlton really, you know, got the bit between their teeth, um, attacked very well, 
Um, it's not really for us to spend too much time on Charleston, but I, I was impressed with them. I thought they were good. Mm. Um, they had some, some players out injured as well. And uh, I was very impressed with Peterborough, obviously, when they beat Argyle 5-1 at Home Park. Um, on another day, if things had gone really badly wrong for Argyle, Charlton could have scored four or five. Um, they were very, very good. Uh, I was impressed with them. Now, we're, we're here to talk about Argyle, so... Um, I just felt, you know, if, if Derek Adams had been able to make another sub with 10, 15 minutes to go to maybe, you know, tighten things up a bit or whatever and try and uh, see if Argyle could just see out the game when they were coming under pressure. But he'd already had to use all of his substitutes and, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was painful. There was an 85th minute, I think it was. Lewis Page had a shot which was deflected, hit the post, even though Matt Macy was rooted to the spot, wasn't it? And there was that split yeah. second where you're waiting to see if the ball was going to deflect into the net. It hit the post and you bounce away, and with five minutes to go, you're thinking that's just that little bit of luck that Argyle need at the moment, you know, to get a point, you know, which would have been a very good point in the circumstances. But in the end, um, three minutes later, unchallenged cross, um, Fetakali, I think you say the Charlton substitute made a complete hash of his head. <laughs> did you did you see the replay, Jack? Well, like made said, a complete just, hash just of his head. Could have gone anywhere. Mm. And in the end, it, it's gone straight to Carl and Grant, and he's slotted it home from. But I can't believe how much space he had, though. Uh, uh, completely unmarked, t- 10 yards from goal. Completely unmarked, but if Fetakali had done what he, he was intending to do, he, he was trying to head that ball towards goal. Yeah. And, he's, and, and chances are, if Sputs maybe he's worked some yeah. stuff, but chances are. Matt Macy would have probably saved it and the chance wouldn't have come. W- w- why was Carl and Grant so unmarked? Yet yeah, that's a very fair point. But Vettacoli wasn't trying to find Grant. He just made a mess of his head. Mm. So, you know, swings and roundabouts and, you know, when, when, when luck's not with you. But like I say, you felt, after it hit the post, you thought, this is going to be Argyle's day. Yeah. And then three minutes later, no, it's not going to be Argyle's day. It has to be said that, you know, Argyle, attacking-wise, I think it was one of their best games. I, I wasn't there for the Peterborough game. I, obviously, Argyle lost quite heavily. But I'm led to believe that that was a very attacking performance from Argon. They had quite a lot of attempts at, at goal. Um, I think Charlton was the most attacking I've seen them. You know, David Fox came on and went close on two occasions. The second occasion in the stoppage time after mm. Charlton taking the lead, he whacked a shot forward. You know, David Fox only scores world-class goal. He doesn't score tapping. <laughs> um, and it went just past the post. And earlier on in the game, Joel Grant had hit the crossbar. So Argon did have chances. Yeah. So there's a lot to be positive about, I would say. Just uh, touching on the injuries, though, I mean, Jack, you, you spoke to, oh, did that piece about Robert Toloik last week and um, what he said about Argyle and being rushed back from injury. Do you think there's something in it in, in terms of the amount of training they're doing? Obviously, we know that Derek Adams does double training sessions. Do you think he's perhaps overworking the players a little bit too hard? Because, you know, when, when you speak about the injuries there, apart from Gary Sawyer, they're all sort of muscular and stomach. They're not impact injuries, are they? Like broken legs, broken ankles, that type of thing. It's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, we don't see what they do in training. Derek Adams clearly does work them hard, we all know that. Um, but I think when we spoke to the likes of Graham Carey, in particular sticks out in my mind last season, he said that all that hard work they did earlier in the season was helping them during their good form. Yeah. Um, also, the, the counter-argument to is that Derek Adams working them too hard is a lot of these players are signed because they've had an injury past. You know, they're, they're injury-prone, some of them. Jamie Ness has had mm. a lot of injuries. Ryan Taylor, before he came to Argyle, had a lot of injuries. When you're in League 1 and League 2, the, your only chance if you haven't got a transfer budget to really sign some good players are probably players that have had a history of injury so there's so many different factors I'd be interested to hear, you know, to hear what Derek Adams had to say about it because they are piling up and under Derek Adams Argo have had a lot of injuries you know, some have been unfortunate but there's so many different factors in it and it would be interesting to see his take um, but 
like I said, a lot of the players we've spoken to. Ron Taylor is a good example. He's a good player, yeah. but he has unfortunately, even back from his younger days, hasn't he? He's always mm. had um, issues with injuries. He's been un- unfortunate with that. And, and I think Jack makes a valid point that you know Jamie Ness and Anthony Sarsavik have had injury problems as well. Um, no Canavan was out. No Canavan was out, injury. and now he's he's out injured. Um, yeah. It's, it's, in football, it's, it's very rarely as simple as one factor, isn't it? You yeah. know, there's, there's normally combinations of things. I mean, they do work hard in training. So I suppose, you know, if you do more training sessions, the law of averages tells you, you know, that you might get more injuries, mightn't you? Um, but then you've got to balance that up with the fact that, you know, certainly the season I've got promoted, that when you get to March and April and some teams are, are running, beginning to run on empty... You know, if you're still going strong and putting in strong performances because of all the work you put in earlier in the season, then you're going there. So, yeah. swings and roundabouts. I mean, it, it's two weeks ago, I think they had a fully fit squad. Um, they literally had 24 players to pick from. And then they've just gone, in, in the last couple of weeks, they've gone from like having 24 to having, I think, nine or ten players injured. It's, uh, and like you say, you know, what can you do when you get three players injured in one game? It's, yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And, it? and it's worth noting as well, Derek Adams has improved the staff around the club. They've, they've got a strength and conditioning coach, mm-hmm. haven't they? they so there's so proper, proper warm-ups being done and things like that. So it's not like they're going out into games not not prepared and things like that. But, um, yeah, like I say, I think in football it's very rarely... One this is this is why yeah. it's happening. There's, there's normally a, a number of factors in. Um, but yeah, they could certainly do with, with you know when you when you're on um, a run that they're on at the moment, you could certainly do without the amount of injuries they've got. The fact that you had you know Greg Ward at left back, you know, and, and you had Ashley Smith Brown at right back when he's a natural left back, and then you had who came in at centre back, Peter Grant, yeah. it, you know, it, it wasn't ideal. Let's say that. No. Uh, go back to the game itself then. A couple of uh, key talking points was Matt Mel- Matt uh, Matt Macy <laughs> even. <laughs> Was Matt M- Mace? <laughs> well, I will the, get it right that's in a minute. Not the biggest tongue twister. No, I know. There's worse to come. Argyle's goalkeeper. Yeah, was the Argyle goalkeeper <laughs> foul for Charlton's first goal? And uh, was it a penalty for Charlton later in the first half for a challenge by Anthony Sarsovic on Chris Solly? Got those names right. I'll let, I've not seen any replays, so I'll let Chris take this one. <laughs> well, the, the, the talking Derek Adams talked about both of these incidents in, in the press conference after the game. Um, he felt that uh, Matt Macy had been fouled for the first goal. Um, difficult, you know, when you see it one take at a game, isn't it, Jack? You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, we were a fair distance away from there. So, um, having seen it on the TV, it's one of those ones that it's, it's like we saw in the World Cup. There's just so much pushing and shoving goes yeah. on at corners. Um, I do not know where you draw the line where who's been fouled and who, who hasn't. Mm. Uh, I, and I know that sounds a bit of a cop out, but honestly, I think. You could have given a foul against Matt Macy, uh, a foul for Matt Macy being impeded, um, but then again, that happens seems to happen all the time. You know, where where do you draw the line? Where's yeah. the consistency in this? It's, I, I thought as well, having seen the goal, it's difficult for a goalkeeper to sort yeah. of come through that pile of bodies and, and get to the ball. You know, he's, he's six running foot that six, six or seven, and he still couldn't get to the ball. Mm. What Charlton did, obviously, they did a lot, and, and they had sixteen corners, so it wasn't. Easy to mm. difficult to miss it, but they made sure they had a lot of bodies around Matt Macy at every corner. They had their good delivery from their corners, both sides of the pitch, swinging them in both sides, and they 
I don't know if it was just because Matt Macy was in goal and he's a tall keeper and they didn't want him just coming and just taking them easily or, or if they do it every game. But they had a lot of people around Matt Macy. It was very difficult all game for him to get anywhere near court. Young goalkeeper as well, putting yeah, him under pressure. So they were really putting him under a lot of pressure. Now, you could argue that he was fouled on, on more than one occasion. Um, but uh, for the goal, so for the goal um, that, that Charlton got, you could argue he was fouled. But then again, you, you'll see a lot, lot of goals like that one allowed where the keeper seems to be blocked off, seems to be impeded. But it seems to me, and I, I do think it's a, a wider problem in football at the moment, we've got to get to grips with all this pushing and shoving going on in the penalty area at set pieces because it's got crazy. I think it'll only it's really crazy. be clamped down, as we saw in the World Cup, when we get video yeah. replays. But then, is that going to Is that ever going to happen, happen in League, in league one? 2? Or, yeah, league one? Yeah. You know, is it ever going to happen in the lower leagues? Um, but other than that, it was just an almighty push in mm. the shove match. The, the, the penalty, obviously, it was 1-1. Um, Anthony Sarsavic, um, you're asking for trouble if you dive in and end up on your backside These in the penalty. Were high, they? Um, as well. did, um, did he really foul Chris Solly? No, I don't think he did. But did Chris Solly make sure that he made contact with Anthony Sarsavic's outstretched leg? Yes, he did. And so under the way that the game's played these days, contact was made. So it's one of those that I think 10 years ago probably wouldn't have been a penalty, but it is now. So I, I, would, I haven't got a problem with the, the penalty being awarded with that. Like I say, if, if you dive in like that and end up on your backside with your legs out in front of you, you are asking for trouble. Yeah. It's interesting as well, because in the press conference afterwards, Derek Adams didn't want to touch on it too much, but mm. he did bring up the point again mm. that he said before that he thinks referees should come out and have to explain mm. these decisions because yeah. mm. he's sick of answering them himself because he yes. admitted, I've only seen it once. Mm. If I say it definitely wasn't, then the replay show it wasn't. And mm. he did actually admit that he's happy to be corrected, mm. but and he has egg on his yeah. face. But he's asked those questions quite naturally because those are the talking mm. points of the game. But he reiterated the point that he believes referees should come out and they should be asked about why decisions haven't, haven't been given. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, but Matt Macy made a great save. Mm. Um, I mean, what's that, six penalties he's faced now for Argyle this season? I think it's six, for the top of my head. It might, I could be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure it's six. And um, he saved the first one at Walsall, didn't he, first day of the season, but they scored from the rebound. So that sort of is his first actual... He's come close, you know. He I, has. I remember speaking to, yeah. who, who was the player the Walsall striker that Andy Cook Andy Cook yeah I remember mm. speaking to him after the game and he mm. said you know when you've got someone that's 6 foot 6 in goal mm. it does throw your mind yeah. you, don't, you think he'll be able to reach anywhere mm. so the goal looks like a 5 side goal mm. doesn't it that but again with that penalty save again he saved it hit the crossbar and then mm. the follow up should have been scored I think mm. yeah. seeing it once only and mm. they hit into the side netting and again there's never indication that this could be Argyle's mm. day mm. and yeah, in the end it just didn't turn out to well they, they just seem to be shooting themselves in the foot at the moment it's you know we can talk about the first goal and was the goalkeeper fouled, but if he wasn't fouled, then is it a goalkeeper error? Mm. And then the second goal, as I say, having seen the replay mm. or seen it on TV, no one picking up the, the runner in the middle of the box. And they just seem like basic individual errors are really costing our goal at the moment. And the thing is, I think a lot of teams have got some very good players in this division. And I think that, you know, you can't afford to make these errors. Cause yeah, well, the higher you go, the more you're going to get punished. And exactly, Argonne maybe are making one or two big mistakes in the game and every time it ends in a goal, so they can't afford to do it. And Derek Adams, again, has spoken about 
know, it's individual players every time making mistakes. It's not something that can necessarily be fixed on the training ground. The players just have to stop making mm. stupid mistakes. So in terms of these injuries then, um, I'm looking here, Chris, you've got makeshift defence in the second half with yep. Smith Brown at right back, Edwards and Grant at centre back and Greg Wilde at left back. That's not a defence that we'd have been predicting <laughs> no, uh, a week or two ago. But is this a concern? I mean, how, how long are the, the injured players going to well, be out for? And is this potentially what our goals defence is going to be going forward for the next week or two? Well, yeah, we don't know how long the players are going to be out for. Obviously, you see the manager immediately after the game. He tells you what he knows or what he's prepared to tell you. Um, so we don't know exact time scales on, on players and bits and pieces. But defensively, if you look at it, you know, centre-back is an issue, isn't it? Because, you know, Canavan uh, had the groin injury. If you've got a groin injury and you missed the game on Saturday, you've got to imagine he's going to be out for two or three weeks you would think with a groin injury you would think yeah. so he's going to be out for a while Scott Wooten came up with a thigh problem now was that a dead leg was it worse than that you know has he pulled something you know was it just a whack or was it is it a pull we're not we're not sure on that so centre back is clearly um, going to be an issue I thought Peter Grant did, did, did fine really considering you know he hadn't played he hadn't been on the bench at all all season and he's on the bench for the first time in 38 minutes in against a good team like Charlton with Lyle Taylor and Carl Grant up front. You get thrown in, good luck with good luck with making your debut in this game sort of thing. And I, I thought he did fine. Um, and I did speak to Greg Wilde afterwards and, um, you know, I've never seen Greg Wilde at left-back before. Um, you know, I was quite surprised to see him lining up there at the start of the second half. But he said when he was at Rangers, he played a lot of games at left-back as a youngster. Oh, really? And it was only um, um, later on in his career he moved forward. I won't say too much about that, Stu, because I'm going to write a piece about that. Oh, okay. Day, so I don't want to give the game away <laughs> too much. But um, but he has got experience at left back. Um, would you want that to be your you know starting defence against Doncaster Rovers? No, of course you wouldn't. Um, you know we don't know about Gary Sawyer, you know, and uh, what's going to happen with him. So, but is there the potential for that to be our goals back four on Saturday against Doncaster? Yeah, I think there is. I, said, I, mean, I said, remember saying to Chris after the game that Greg Wilde, is, I don't think it's going to feature much as a, as a winner. <laughs> this could be his chance to, yeah, absolutely. To, you know, mm. to get himself back in the team. And the other alternative, of course, even though Smith-Brown, I think, had a fantastic game mm. against Charlton, he could revert back to left-back, Tafari Moore could come right back. Yeah. So there are options on the side. It's just mm. a centre of defence where they're a bit limited at the moment. Mm. Is Tafari Moore injured as well? Or? Don't believe so. Well, was it one of the many names that they're kind of Yeah, we, we need to double-check on that one because he hasn't been in the squad recently. So that's uh, that's a question for Joe Riley. Also, Joe Riley was injured. Yeah, with an, um, injury, his it? injury that he suffered against Bristol Rovers, and he was substituted at half time in that mm-hmm. game. He then started against Blackpool the following Saturday and did struggle. But maybe one of the reasons he struggled was perhaps because he was still struggling with his knee problem because he didn't play against Charlton on Saturday mm-hmm. because of the the knee problem. So um, yeah, there's, uh, the defence is, is definitely hard here when it comes to. To injuries and you know, like I say, it's 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 a difficult one. That 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 could easily be our goals back four on Saturday if uh, if the injuries are as, as bad as maybe feared. It has to be said though, they didn't play too bad in the second half. They were put under a lot of pressure. Greg Wilde made a goal line clearance at one point. Peter Grant got a few headers away. Of course, yeah, we've all we discussed the defending for the second goal and mm. it could, maybe could have been better, but. During large spells of pressure, they actually kept quite well. I thought considering it was the first time the four of them had played together. Well, we saw a few. Not new names, because obviously they've been at Argyle for, well, since the summer at least, but uh, Peter Grant, you mentioned already, Callum Dyson and Alex Fletcher both on the bench on Saturday, so um, a chance for them as well. 
my, uh, this is based on nothing but my gut. And I, I, I'm worried about Ryan Taylor. If it's an ankle injury again, which it, which it is, you know, it's kept him out for a long time. If it's a recurring thing as well. And, and with his age thrown into the mix as well, it, it is a concern. So it wouldn't surprise me if Taylor was out for a little while and it will give Dyson and Fletcher the chance to, to be in the team. Vladimir's done well on the whole, but we touched on the fact already that mm. he wasn't in the game. But yeah, it's, it's a chance. And they've got to be ready to take it, especially the likes of Callum Dyson. You know, he's not come here to be on the bench. He's not left... Evans on the bench. I spoke to him in pre-season in the media day, um, and, and he was quite confident of his chance to get into the team. And obviously, so far that's not worked out. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a good chance. Um, just bear in mind, Stu, that, that they were Grant, Dyson, and Fletcher all on the bench, and that was before the three players got injured on Saturday as well. Mm. So you know, if all three of those players that were injured on Saturday are out against Doncaster, then you're going to need three more players, and then you're starting to dip into the what we're calling now the development squad, the young. Yeah first and second year pros so there's there's players in that squad that might um, you know might start figuring you know just a couple of names just throwing them off the top of my head and again with no particular insight but you know Luke Jeffcott the Wales under 19 attack has been doing well um, got a good name check from the manager last week so you know he's um, he's a possibility you've got the likes of um, you know Alex Battle a, a striker and we're talking defensively and, and problems um you know, even Harry Hodges, Kevin's yeah. son. Now, I'm, I'm not saying he'll be in the squad on Saturday, but he is a right back. He's a full back. You know, if 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 Argyle are short of options at full back, you know, he might sort of feature in the squad. So, I think it's perfectly possible that there might be a couple of the young lads, you know, being called upon on Saturday if the injuries are bad and don't clear up. I mean, I've got the impression that Jamie Ness might be back sooner rather than later. You know, which would which would help. Um, but yeah, it, the, the squad on Saturday could be quite different. And everyone we've not mentioned Conor Grant's also out injured at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. So that, that's the reason he was left out of the team. For the, was it the last two games he's been left out now? He's he didn't play against back, really. Didn't play against back for so yeah, two, so games two games. Now, and that's yeah. because of injury yeah. as well. So. so we could talk about the free transfer market again. Mm. I mean, we spoke about it on the podcast a week or two ago, Chris. But the problem mm. you've got then is if you bring in another centre-half, mm. for example, then when you do get your other centre-halves back then mm. you know you've suddenly got six seven centre-halves on the books absolutely uh, it's not easy I mean you've always got the option of playing Jan Songo at centre-back I suppose um, so there's that possibility yeah. although Jan I thought had one of his one of his games he has every now he and then where he just he just blocks and stops everything I mean he was, he's he, like a man possessed at times he yeah. honestly I mean, they're always against some of the biggest clubs I mean it was Wigan wasn't it when I got 1-1-0 yeah. and I've never seen one player See, he almost like he took up the whole width for the pitch. He was yeah. making blocks. Well, I remember all the Wigan fans commenting <laughs> on it as well. So if you make that sort of impression on opposition fans, you're obviously doing yeah. something. Right. He made two or three goal-saving challenges on Saturday, no doubt about it. And it, I just it was one of them. I just looked across on Jack, and we we didn't say anything. It was just like, well, it was Songo again, wasn't it? <laughs> and the fair play to him because you know a lot of us hold our hands up. Thought that he was possibly going to be released at the end of last season, but he wasn't. Jack Adams has obviously seen something in him. He knows him well. Has kept him, and he. We trust he's him. played a fair few good games this season mm. he's actually keeping David Fox out of the team at the moment yeah, he would have yeah. thought that a few months ago he might not be a first choice regular for every game but at great games like Charlton away and Wigan away last season and things like that you, there is a place for Jan Songa an important mm. place for Jan Songa definitely more in the mid, like defensive midfield though. I, don't, yeah, I, 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 I yeah. don't think it's best position to centre back so that will concern yeah. him he was placed yeah. there every, every team needs it though they need those squad players that aren't mm. going to play sort of 46-50 games a season mm. but they'll come in and do the job the manager mm. asks them to do but if he keeps playing like he is at the moment he won't be being dropped I can, I can no, with like all that. the injuries as no. well there's no. <laughs> not really much choice <laughs> I don't think yeah. um, Worst start in the league since 2011, though. Um, and back then, Argyle picked up one point from the first nine games. They were in administration at the time, and Peter Reid ultimately paid the price. 
and was sacked, replaced by Carl Fletcher. Um, are we getting to that stage now where Derek Adams is coming in for questioning, shall we say, from the fans? You don't have to lose one game these days to be well, here. Yeah, yeah, so. is, yeah. is he getting questioning from the fans? Yes. Is there a, a, a big groundswell of opinion that you know he should be got rid of? No. Um, yeah, we 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 could play a clip from the podcast this time last year, couldn't yeah. we? Really, but yeah. um, I, I he's got a lot. He's got that credit. He's got fair. a lot of credit in the bank. Uh, they finished fifth, second, and seventh for the last three seasons. Um, he is signed a five-year contract in the summer. He's head of football. He's a massive part of that football club. Nothing gets done at the football club without his inputs. If and when you decide to to change a manager at any stage in the future you are taking a massive piece out of the football club. It's not just the first team manager that you're removing, you're, you're taking a massive piece out of it. Um, are Argyle going to get anywhere near the playoffs this season? It doesn't look like it, does it? Can Derek Adams, with what he's shown as his manager at Argyle, get them from 24th to a position of safety by the end of the season? Yes, he can. So um, I certainly wouldn't be considering anything um, changing manager. I think he's the right manager for the job, absolutely. But Jack says, and everyone is entitled to their opinion. That's just my opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. There'll be other people that say they should get rid of him, but um, so not not now. I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head, really, with the whole head of football role. You know, he, he's here not just for the first team, but for Plymouth Argyle as a football club to look at the year. He's at the long term, the long term to develop club. Jack's exactly. made the point about the backroom staff is a lot more organised and professional and stronger, and you know, it, it doesn't. I understand when you're a fan and your team are losing all the time, it's not much consolation. But the, the infrastructure and the setup behind the scenes at the club is a lot better. You know, we just touched on 2011, you know, when they were administration and the club was a mess. Gradually, the club off the pitch and with the grandstand work beginning to get into full swing, you know, um, off the pitch, the club is, is stronger and will be stronger. Um, so. I, I get, you know, if, if people want to shout for the manager to go, that's that's their prerogative, isn't it? Um, but I don't think there's many people doing that. Um, and I think Derek Adams has got a lot of credit in the bank. And are they going to make the playoffs? No. But can he keep them in this division? We've got, how many games we've got left to go? 37 games to go? Yeah. Um, it's, it's not great at the moment, but I, I would back him to keep Argyle in League One, absolutely. Jack? Well, for, for, for me, I, well, first, I don't think there's any chance of him going unless it gets to, say, maybe Christmas time and they're well adrift of safety. Then possibly there might be breaks in the in his five-year contract. I'm sure whoever, you know, James Brent, when he sorted that, that contract, made sure there were breaks for both for both parties because you wouldn't, no man, man in their right mind would give anyone a five-year deal without that option at, at this level especially. Um, but the problem you have is if you do get rid of him just, saying Christmas, a new manager will come in and... Do you give him more money? And in which case, Derek Adams will be able to do more with more money. For me, where the issue is getting to is, there's, and, and I'm not having a go at Simon Halley, he's putting a lot of money to this club, but I've got to get into the level now where I think they need more investment in their playing in their playing squad. You know, you can't find a decent striker for, for no money. That's where one of the places where I've got lack this season. They're coming up against a lot of teams that spent quite a lot of money in League One. You know, there's quite a competitive financial league. And I think any manager with the budget they've got at this level would struggle to get them to sort of recreate what Derek Adams did last year should they be bottom of the table three points no of course not but it's a, it's a tough one and I think for now and, until Argyle Castle drift 
for me, he's, he, he should be safe in his job. And I guess the biggest problem they've got as well, if you talk about the lack of goals and, and quality strikers, they've got one in Ryan Taylor, but he can't stay fit. Yeah, exactly. And again, as I touched on earlier, when you're in League One and League Two, you're relying on probably players that have had an injury, injury, injury pass. So that's the way it is. I don't, I don't think any manager could come in with, with this team and do a better job than what Derek Adams could potentially do. And I, as I keep going back to, I've been encouraged by the performance against Charlton. And I'm hopeful, and I know I said this after the Bristol Rovers game, <laughs> but I'm hopeful they'll take that into Saturday. Well, that's the sort of stage we're at again now, isn't it, Chris? We spoke about Bristol Rovers being a, a, a starting block and something to build on. They're looking for that new starting block. It sounded as though there, you know, as though there were a lot of positives to take from Saturday. I don't think Doncaster at home is a must-win game. It's far too early in the season for must-win games, but um, they really need a win soon just to uh, lift everyone's spirits. Anywhere they can get it, they'll take it. And um, when you're struggling for results, you know, if, if you're not a totally negative person, you do try to look for reasons for optimism, for encouragement, and uh, you know, the performance certainly in an attacking sense at Charlton was better. Um, can they take that into the game against Doncaster? They'll need to start a lot better against Doncaster than they've done in the last couple of home games against Peterborough and Blackpool where they've been outplayed in the first mm. 20 minutes and they've been 2-0 down against Peterborough and 1-0 down against Blackpool and mm. could have easily been 2 or 3 down against Blackpool. Yeah. So they've got to get off to a good start. They, you know, they have to get on the front foot. Whatever team Derek Adams puts out, they've got to be on the front foot. You know, most teams in, in League One have got decent players. You know, Doncaster have had an excellent start to the season. They're fourth in the table. I think off the top of my head, it's five wins, three draws, and a defeat. One just the one defeat for them. Grant McCann's gone in there. He took over. I think the day before the start of pre-season, after Darren Ferguson left because he wasn't happy with the budget he had at, at Doncaster. Grant McCann's gone in there, inherited a squad from Derek Ferguson, made a couple of changes, but not a lot. And he's got them really firing on all cylinders, and you know this is a, you know one of the things when you when you're down at the bottom, it feels like every team you play, are good, and you know they've gone to Charlton, good team, they're playing fourth, Doncaster on Saturday, and then they're off to Barnsley, another team that started well this season. So you're looking at the fixtures and you're looking for a in an inverted commas easy game, and there's there's nothing there. No. So every game, cliche time, is is tough when you're not winning games it gets harder and harder and harder and they've somehow got to just eke a win out. They did it last season when they went to uh, AFC Wimbledon in mid-late October uh, when they, what was it, five points from 12 games or something like that and they eked out a 1-0 win. Joel Grant got the winner and then they sort of kicked on from there. So, um, yeah, 1-0 against Doncaster with an 89th minute winner off somebody's backside will we'll, we'll do, do for Argyle at the moment. They, they just need to get that first win. Well, I was looking at the league table this time last year after nine games. They had five points mm. and only three this time. So, um, and they beat Charlton in the second game last season. That's right, yeah. But yeah. no, it's worth pointing out that I'm not working this this weekend. I'm very, <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to say that I'll be going as a fan for the first time this season, and I can't wait. Although they win, I might not be welcome back as a as a blogger. I might have to get to that <laughs> more often. But I, I've got I, don't, I can't explain it. But I said I think I said to you after the game I've got a feeling they're going to win next Saturday. This all this Saturday. Keep, keep this yeah. clip. Studio, yeah, right? we'll do. Yeah, yeah we'll play it next week. Book, and yeah. Just book the, bookmark this clip, all right? <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. I've just got a feeling. Uh, there's something about Mystic me. Jack yeah. and his yeah. crystal ball. I should go back to the zoo and get all the animals to predict. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, 
Right, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Chris, you just wanted to give a brief mention to Michael Dunford. He's going to be on the show next week, is that right? Yes, yeah. Um, Argyle Chief Executive Michael Dunford, yeah, he's agreed to come on as a guest next Monday. So um, he's going to come into the office and, and see us and have a chat. So um, hopefully we'll have a good opportunity to catch up with him. It's the first time we've had a chance to see him on the podcast since he returned to Argyle. He was obviously previously Chief Executive of the club, um, had time away. And now came back uh, to replace Martin Starnes, who was obviously a good friend of the uh, friend of uh, us here at Plymouth Live. So um, looking forward to having Michael come in, and uh, you know, you know, it's not been a great start to the season. So no. we'll obviously touch on 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 the team's performances. Hopefully, um, they'll have a win against Doncaster for for us to talk about with Michael when he when he comes in. But I'm sure he'll be able to give us a good um, overview of what's going on at the club, not just performances on the pitch but you know, you know yeah. grandstand wise and, and some of his thoughts about just coming back at back to the club and um, you know how he's trying to take the club forward in the, in the in the time to come and it's worth saying as well to listeners out there if you have any questions Absolutely. that you'd like to put towards uh, Michael yep. Dunford then get in, get in touch either email or um, Twitter I'm trying to think what the Twitter handle is at Harold PAFC or you can tweet Chris or me yeah. we've yeah. pass them on so whoever you follow at Chris, in, at Chris Arrington 1 or at Chris no. <laughs> mine's, at Chris, that's, that's yours. <laughs> mine's at Jack first. You'll find it. You'll find yeah, it. You'll, um, find, you'll, find, you'll sure. find it. But you know, yeah. you, you know where to find us. And if you've got any questions for Michael, he's. Um, I know he's doing some sort of fan um, surgeries and things like that. I think once a month, once every couple of months, where he's meet, arranging to meet fans. So I think he's quite happy to to answer questions people have got. So um, we're fire fire a few of him next Monday. And yeah, so um, yeah, so hopefully he should be. A, hopefully he should be a. A good podcast. Um, sadly, Jack won't be with we us. Def- then, we definitely no. didn't have podcast last time. He was uh, our <laughs> no. movie, so uh, no. be a first for him. Absolutely. Right, guys, that's all we've got time for. Jack, enjoy your holiday. Thank we'll you very see much. You in a couple of weeks, Chris. Let's get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye bye.